Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. An accountant. I fully believed at the age of um, grade eight at school. I really, that was a directory. And I did that for 10 years um, and God really trained me. And, but it was prophesied over me, Andrew, in my late 20s, get out of the book of numbers and into the book of Acts. Boom, boom. There's a good dad joke there. And, and I went to Bible college. While I was at Bible college, I got to meet with the INC guys and, and I was part of the first three years of setting up Red Frogs. It was called Hotel Chaplains here originally. And so I'd, I'd, I'd work all night volunteering and cleaning up vomit and protecting vulnerable young people. And I'd get home and one day my four-year-old daughter said, where you been, Dad? And I said, I've been to schoolies week. She goes, Dad, what's schoolies week? And I said, something you will never know about. Right? But I made, a, I made a promise as a dad then, as you do. I thought the people of God shouldn't be known for what we stand against, but what we stand for. So I said, I will take you, like a bold declaration, I will take you anywhere in the world for two weeks. Wow. You choose as long as you don't go to schoolies week. Done, done. And I just come back from New York and she says, Dad, take me to New York. So dads, is this true? When you say something to your kids and make a promise, they remember it. So she brought it up to me. Anyway, $10,000 later <laughs> and a lot of overtime, we end up getting there. But my son Jethro, who's with us today, said, Dad, where are you taking me? And so when I made that promise, I didn't know that it was going to domino through the generations. And he said, Dad, I want you to take me to Italy. So on the way, we stopped off at Singapore. I love what God's doing in Singapore. And then this, this, is, this is us having a, a couple of happy snaps. There's um, two handsome roosters down there. And so we're down at Gardens by the Bay. And have a look at this hotel behind. This is the Marina Sands Hotel. Look at beside, it's like three towers with a surfboard on top. And then look at the next slide. We went up to the top of that. And looking down, look at this. This is Gardens by the Bay and they've got these super trees. But see on the left-hand side, there's two shell-shaped greenhouses. And have a look. We went inside them and have a look what we saw inside. Look at this. Just absolutely magnificent. And I just stood there in awe. And what I, what I saw as I uh, sat there and experienced, I saw, I saw this vibrant ecosystem where each element contributed to the growth of each other. And I saw evidence of this harmonious, interdependent relationship. It was nurturing and it was life-giving. And I was so overwhelmed standing there with Jethro. I was so overwhelmed by the power of what I was seeing that I realised God had helped me over many years as a follower of Jesus Christ to live a life of harmony, in harmony with other people and to experience love and to give love and to be nurtured by others in Christian community and family. And I just realised over my journey of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, that my life had experienced ongoing layers of wholeness and healing and satisfaction and opportunity. I realised I was born for the house of God and the community of God with the community of people. And I realised then that my environment and that community had nurtured in me a healthy self-esteem, had cultivated a vibrant faith and a spirituality that was life-giving that overflowed to others. I was confident in my identity of who I was in Christ and I no longer believed the lies 
of the devil that would come around my life. Literally, literally, I found that my God had looked me full in the face, as it says in number six, and made my life prosper because of the community of the people of God. But that's not to say that my life had been free from pain and disappointment, far from it. There was a time in my life where I was relationally disconnected from others and from God. There were some very dark days, and many of you in this room may know what that was like. And some of you, it's not hard for you to imagine living in an environment where there's no clearly defined truth, where you get to determine how you believe and how you feel, where life and truth is fluid and you meander with no clear definition or opportunity of hope where others can often prescribe for you or even force on you beliefs and ideals that are supposed to lead to a great life but they never deeply satisfy what you are looking for for some like a season of my life there was anger there was great despair and pain and a longing for more but I was standing in that Singapore greenhouse, so overwhelmed by the power of what I was experiencing and reflecting on. And I just realised it was just like God's life-giving blueprint for community that he outlined in the book of Acts, Acts 2. And I love the Word of God because it contains stories, but also you can read it biblically, but you can also read it theologically and see the, the themes that God pops out. He's always about life. He's always about community. He's always about connection. And have a look at, have a look at these powerful words on the screen here. I saw a version of God's blueprint for community. And let me read on the screen here. It says, oh, it's back one. I think we've got one book of Acts. Here we are. Acts 2. 41 to 47, it says, this is straight after the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit's outpoured, been promised for millennium. Old Testament was characterised by the Holy Spirit coming on people and off people for a particular purpose. The church is born, birth, book of Acts, and this is what happens after. Those who accepted his message were baptised. And about how many? 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a great preach. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you've got daily growth, something there is, is really, really healthy. It says in the message, verse 44, and all the believers lived in this wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. Sounds a little bit like Elevation Melbourne West, doesn't it? Authentic, community, good coffee outside. I saw food out there, the sharing of food. I saw a slab of rocky road out there. My eye caught my eye out there. I thought, this is the kind of thing we're talking about. And in this greenhouse, I can see five elements at play. You see this devotion together and obedience around teaching. You see the sharing of common beliefs. 
You see this being together and having everything in common. Number four, you see this meeting together on a regular basis, in this case every day, and you see this eating together with glad and sincere hearts. It's a wonderful blueprint. And all throughout the book of Acts, you see story after story of personal spiritual transformation, like what we sung about this morning, and you see community transformation. You, you see a group of people who, when they came together under the power of God and living in harmony with the life-giving Holy Spirit, you see these people were fundamentally changed to the core. They were not the same again. This is exactly what happens. The Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm reading from the Message Bible. It says, those who became Christians, followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, it says they became new persons. They are not the same anymore. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. And we're in a season called Go. And my focus today is I'm going to talk about the giddy up and the go of making disciples. But I want to give you some keys so that we know exactly what we are building. I know that the Apostle Paul said at least three or four occasions in his wonderful writings, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we want to make sure that the the die, the cookie cutter, is representing truly what is representative of what God wants us to be. This is the life that we're meant to be living. Now, I'm thinking when I say discipleship, I'm not talking about a life enhancement program or a self-development program of behaviour modification in four easy payments where we tweak our life in such a way to fit our God into our version of life. But I'm talking about a radical relationship with Jesus Christ and an inclusion and a placement in the family of God, the community of God. Can I suggest this? That Acts 2 community, they, that was a, an example of a, a prototype of a brand new God or a kingdom community. They weren't changed just a little bit. They weren't tweaked three and a half percent to to suit their other belief systems. They were fundamentally changed to the core. They were a radically transformed group of disciples, so much so that other people said, you are like little Christs. You are Christians. You are fundamentally like the master. Now, this links to another great thing that Jesus said. The very last thing that he said when he goes up to heaven is in Matthew 28. Have a, look at, have a look at this verse. I love this verse, but oh, it's a bit challenging. It says, verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make. It's like a production line or a... No, no, anyway, we'll talk about that. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, full stop. And many of us now can hear the whooshing of baptism waters. That's what's said to us as many of us follow Jesus in obedience and go under the water. But I was meditating one day and I realised this passage has a comma. Oh, a comma. It says, I love the baptising, the getting wet. It's the representation of my relationship with the Trinity, one God, three person, comma, and teaching them to O-B-E-Y. 
How can four letters mean so much? Obey. Say it with me now. O-B-E-Y. Ouch. Okay. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. There's some days as I'm in community with other believers and I read the word of God, which is living and active, and God will then encourage me, but he'll bring me a challenge that my life, my behaviours, my attitude need to come in alignment with what? The teaching that has been laid out by the apostles. Oh, this is right now, if this was a movie, the music changes right now. It gets a little bit funky and some of you are going, can I go get some popcorn now? (laughs) Obey. And I'm thinking, obey. That means change. It means my allegiances, my affections. Some of you are thinking, how much change are we talking about? (laughs) Could I negotiate just an itty-bitty, tiny little bit of change to be like Jesus? I'll let you answer because some of you have walked with God for a long time. Some of you have for a short time and you know exactly what I'm talking about, how much change. I'm talking about the gospel of Christ in the community of believers growing together as disciples to become more like Jesus, obedience is one of the main activators or accelerators of becoming more and more like Jesus, to become a real disciple of Jesus Christ. Obedience. How much change? Some of you have done a little bit of reading, and there's this thing called our worldview, our frame of reference, how we think and look at the world. When I'm talking about obey... I'm not talking about change just to the mind or the behaviour. I'm talking about change deep, deep within me in the decision-making centre of my life where I come down and, like Jesus modelled in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours. And what we see in Acts 2 is a group of people so much change deep inside, and yeah. I won't labour this point too long, that they actually realised that all their possessions, everything they had, was not theirs, but the Master's. I'm talking about deep allegiance, ownership, lordship of Jesus Christ change. Yes. I will move on for those of you feeling uncomfortable right now. <laughs> but isn't it a wonderful thought that there are... Charles Craft in a great book writes... There's three encounters that a person needs to have to become more and more like Jesus to be a disciple. And I'm going to, because I'm Australian, we take what the Americans do. We add a little bit more because I think they're missing something. So I believe there's four encounters. I remember this. The first time I encountered the extravagant love and kindness of God. And that's what the Red Frogs ministry does. It, It encounters humanity, young people, young adults, Often at the point where they feel like they don't deserve love or kindness, but there's an outpouring of kindness from another godly human being to them, an act of kindness, and they are so overwhelmed by the undeserved kindness then that literally they have a kindness encounter. In the book of Romans it says, it's your kindness that brings me to repentance. Overwhelmed. That's the first encounter. The second encounter I believe people need to have is a truth encounter. Remember the first time. The word of God hits you and you experience truth with a capital T for the first time. And other versions of truth you realise were counterfeits and they were lies. And many of us at that first truth encounter was when we said, yes, Jesus, you are 
the way, the truth and the life. And yes, I must bow the knee and give my life to you. Many people living in kindness encounter, truth encounter. The other encounter I think we need to have is a power encounter where we have an encounter with the realised presence of God, often through person of Holy Spirit, where we feel his voltage, his energy working within us, that with truth plus power, things shift and something happens. At the end of our time together, we'll close this celebration, but I'd love to pray with people. For some of you, you need healing in your body. And you can take medication and you can get the truth from the doctor, the truth of the word of God. But sometimes, friends, you don't need a cup of coffee from me or a $20 voucher to have a nice breakfast tomorrow. You need the power of God to come into your body and shift something. That's why we need a power encounter. The fourth encounter, oh, this is not my notes. Sorry about that. I hope you're taking notes now, but I'll update them and download a current copy. Just felt to go there this morning. The third encounter is what I call an allegiance encounter. It's wanting to feel the warm, fuzzy kindness of God, to accept truth, to feel his power. But God takes our encounters to another level where we come to the point where literally we encounter God and we, something fundamentally changes in the obedience centre, the will of my life, where I say, not my will, but yours. I know I'm not going to be invited back to preach because this is like, but I'm, I'm just calling some stuff out here, all right? Allegiance encounter right to the decision making where we say, I will bow down to the truth of your word. And that's when we start to see the result of worship song number four, where the death, the pain, the shame turn to life, to peace, to hope and to strength. When the word of God, the truth becomes so much part of us that our reflex action is obedience and we say, yes, Lord, sorry, what was the question? That is deep discipleship, friend. That is becoming like Jesus. So there's a pattern that God gives us and the next verse, a slab that I've got on the scripture comes out of the book of Romans. And this is the pattern for transformation. And I love how the Message Bible explains this. And Paul writes and he says this, Verse 29, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. So the son is the template. He is the first. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. Jesus is the template. He is the model. We are to be like him. And then in verse 30, after God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had done. See, it sounds like a process. God's calling us. Kindness encounter, truth encounter, power encounter. Hopefully as many of us go through the many rings of allegiance encounters where God calls us up higher and higher to be more and more like him. But it's a gentle process. It's not a zap and we're magically translated to heaven. We're not zapped and we become like Jesus. But God gets us in this life-giving environment called church 
where brother sandpaper sits next to sister rough and we rub up each other alongside each other and we get the, the smoothing and community. God's got a blueprint. The image is Jesus to follow. Disciples are followers of Jesus Christ. And then he pulls out this absolute banger next in the verse in Ephesians. Have a look at this. Here's God's plan. Using people to shape us into his body, literally the word becoming flesh, the word becoming flesh in you and I in community as us as a church. Look, it says, and the one who climbed down from heaven is the one who climbed back up, up to the highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts. Filled heaven with his gifts. That must be my cut and paste. Gifts. Anyway, lots of gifts in the God. Gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train Christians in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body of the church until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully what? Mature adults. I love the worship leader before she says, as we get older, no, as we get more mature, as we get mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. I don't want to be indelicate, but I've seen believers who've said yes to Jesus and they've been believers for 20 years, but they've never graduated from year one development and becoming like Christ. And they have the same over and over again. And they're still grumpy and they're still cranky. They don't have been believers for a long time, but have never matured and grown in the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Look at the next verse here, a little bit more. No prolonged emphases among us, please, says Paul. We'll not tolerate, tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. No more believers, 40, 50-year-old people still wearing nappies. God's, Paul's saying, he's calling it it is with a bit of license from the paraphrase of the message. No more babies. It's time to grow up. God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and tell it in love. Like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is again the source or the image or the template of everything that we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we'll grow up healthy in God and robust in love authentic Christian community, the body of Christ. And right now across the world, there are thousands and thousands of faith communities like this, all meeting with the express purpose of glorifying God, focusing on him, receiving a fill up like a petrol tank this morning, but all learning and working rhythmically together to be like Christ. This is the process of this Kipler's hip. This is the, oh, yes, mate. I knew you were a smart crowd, all right? This is the process of discipleship. Now, for some of you, you've known the Word of God and washed over you. I'm a visual person, so I've been on this journey for a long time, and I teach people what it means to be a follower of Christ, so I've got a diagram for all this, for those of us who are visible. And so, again, I've taken the work, I've borrowed the work of Bill Hull, and I've adapted it a little bit into a diagram and Jethro's helped me do this graphic design. And let's have a look at this model. And this is available on that link for you today. Have a look at the next 
the next slide here. It's what I call the transformation triangle. As I've read the word of God and looked at it theologically, theology is just really talking about God, so it's God talk. Here's an example of the discipleship process. So for some of you, you know we've got to go be disciples. We know we've got to go make disciples. Like if I'm going to make something, I want to make sure that all the elements are in place before I make it. Otherwise, it's going to end up like an Ikea cupboard that I bought and the doors don't fit properly because I'm missing some bits or I've misused some bits somewhere, all right? So have a look at this. It starts off with the green triangles. Here there's a small green triangle in part of a larger triangle. In terms of international symbols of graphic design, whatever, that's the symbol of transformation. A small triangle going to a large triangle. And for some of you, this is your individual journey of discipleship, how to be more and more like Jesus Christ. But for some of you, this is a picture of what your church could look like, a greenhouse, a life-giving environment where all the elements are in place for you to grow more like Christ. So for some of you today, there's going to be a bit of a checklist. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I didn't realise that was an essential part of my formation to become like Christ. For some of you, you're going to get great clarity in the next seven to eight minutes around what is it your next step is so that you continue that journey of maturity. And for some of you who feel like you are stuck this morning or stalled, you're going to get great clarity and a key about what you need to do next, how to bring your A game to the rest of the people in this church because we all need each other. So you've got the transformation triangle and what Bill Hull's diagram doesn't start with Jesus at the center it's assumed so for some of you you've got a life philosophy system that does not include Jesus Christ at the center because some of you could say this oh this is just a self-improvement self-modification model no it starts with the centrality of Jesus Christ at the center I learned this in Sunday school when I was grade six and seven the answer is always Jesus, but my transformation always starts with Jesus because he's the template and he's the model. I know this. I need Holy Spirit. I need the Word of God. I need community. I need a sense of mission. I need training in habits of habit. And I need, oh, what are you doing there? <laughs> Events and pain. These are the six elements with Jesus at the center which when all working together, make sure that we grow up together in maturity in the fullness of Christ. Let me start with community. The Christian faith, being a disciple, is not a solo sport. We need each other. How many times in the Bible does it talk about one another type scriptures? We are not, we're not an island. I, I know that if you look in one passage of the Bible, I call it the, the, vegetable, the vegetable patch. It's let us... Not to ex let us work together. Let us gather. Let us, let us, let us, let us. So for some of you who are vegan, this is just the word of the Lord for you. You're green. Eat your greens. Let us. You need community. For some of you, like for instance, this is why turning up to church and gathering is good for you. When I was being discipled as a young man, the guy said to me, there's two times you go to church. When you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. They're the two times you go. You keep turning it up because somebody else needs you. Number two, we need scripture, the word of God. Countless studies on discipleship and spiritual transformation say the number one spiritual growth accelerator is not only reading the word of God, but meditating on the word of God and then applying it. You cannot be a follower of Christ unless you are regularly reading the word of God. 
I know this, people I model, people I look up to, heroes of my faith, without doubt, all of them are regularly reading and applying the Word of God, without a doubt. The second thing, we, so for instance, I know this, this scripture, the Bible says, is God-breathed. It is initiated by Holy Spirit. He helped the authors write under his inspiration. So when I pray, I'm like John Wesley, when I open the scripture, I don't start reading the word until I have an awareness, a consciousness of his presence. And I'll say, living Holy Spirit, living an active word, you were there when this thing was written. Please interpret this to me so it's living a word, it's fresh bread for me today. So for some of you, that's a key you came to hear today. Your Bible reading might be tired. Just worship music, get yourself in the zone. God, I feel you, Holy Spirit, there you are. It's not about a feeling or whatever, knowing or whatever it is that you need. But we have an awareness that God wants to speak to us on a regular basis through his word. Some of love and all that. I came from a denominational background and, and I thought the Trinity was Father, Son and Holy Scripture. It's not the case. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not Casper the ghost or the weird uncle that we never talk about. Holy Spirit lives within us. He was sealed in us at the moment we said yes to Jesus. He's living within us. And it's him who's in us, who's wanting to work within us, not only to give us the desire to be like Jesus, but also the power to be like Jesus. So any spirituality or expression of discipleship that does not include the active, regular work of Holy Spirit is not going to meet the biblical standard. And for some of you, you need to hear this. I would be seeking baptism in Holy Spirit. Like we get saved, and I, I believe if you read the biblical account and theology, I'm, I'm just going to go hard here. It, the Apostle Paul says, be filled with Holy Spirit. It's not like going and buying a car and saying, oh, I'd like one without air conditioning, please. That was a case in the 90s when my dad bought our first car, family car with air conditioning. Everything comes standard now. There's a sense that we need Holy Spirit, and to me, Praying at least five to ten minutes a day, every day in tongues, speaking in tongues, gives me the clarity and the confidence I need to live for him every day. I know this, when I pray in the natural, speaking natural words, I'm praying at the speed of sound. I know when I partner with God in the realm of the spirit, that God is light and he moves at the dimension of light and the frequency of light. So when I pray and speak in tongues, I'm praying at the speed of light. I'm praying with great accuracy. I'm praying with great clarity. And so if you, if you haven't got that gift, I'm happy to pray with you at the end or talk with your pastors. Go on a journey of seeking this wonderful gift of Holy Spirit. I'm here to say it is not an optional extra, friends. It is part of the normal New Testament experience. Be filled with Holy Spirit. Jude 1 verse 20. Build yourself up in your most holy faith, comma, speaking and, and speaking and praying in the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, directed by the Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. If not, find yourself a good Bible college and you can teach all this. I might know one, but anyway, there's, there's a link there. Okay, I've got to move on. This one here, mission. Holy Spirit is a giddy-up spirit. He's a go spirit. He always says go. So I love the work of red frogs because they come out of the four walls of the church and they go and meet broken humanity where they're at and they have a sense of engagement. So Holy Spirit, when we have Holy Spirit, he will impel us to go and to speak with confidence and share our faith. Like Gabby was saying this week, she had a sense to go and, and tell and speak about the possibilities of God that can be activated by faith in Jesus Christ and the power of prayer. 
See, if you've been a believer for a long time and you are not going, you do not have a sense of mission, I would say, Holy Spirit, stir up in me that missionary spirit, that outward focus. We're going to get outside the four walls of the church or at least even my workplace. I'm now open for business. I'm open to share my faith to anyone you bring me today. You pray that prayer, it will start to happen so naturally. It's not spooky, but Holy Spirit will give you courage and boldness to speak. So I'm really zeroing on the Holy Spirit because I'm, I'm grey hair and Bronson and I are brothers from another mother. Can't believe that you're Kiwi. I thought you were Italian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. I've lost my place now. <laughs> Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit like, needs to be stirred up within us to give us the confidence and the courage to go. So I'm going to move on. Can you smile at me right now? I'm bringing the word of God. I'm bringing truth to you this morning, friends, with a capital T. So for some of you, this might be your area of stretch. You've got the other five areas working. You say, I need to focus in this next season. I need to get in the front foot with my faith. I'm not going to be a punching bag from other people in the, in the staff room about other ideas or their interpretations of what the Christian faith is. The other thing at the top thing is training and habits. There's with every faith or every spirituality of every expression of some health or transcendent improvement program has a sense of there's a certain sense of rituals or habits or practices that we do. I know this, that I collect spiritual disciplines as a list. I think there's 38 or 39 of them, including praying, journaling, solitude, uh, lament, fasting. <laughs> For some of you think, oh, don't, 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 don't say the F word, don't say the F word, I won't. Fasting. There's a whole heap of practices that we use when directed by God that help us become more and more like Jesus. How many times does it say in the word of God, people of God, as was their custom, as was their habit? They, they caught Daniel because they knew he had a habit of praying three times a day. If people want to catch you, do they know when you pray? Are you known by your habits or your custom? At the end of the day is being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not a declaration you make, but it's obviously evidenced by a series of habits and customs that you are known for. When I gave my life to Christ as a 19-year-old, as a young adult, God challenged me about my mouth. I need to practice new habits around my mouth. So the word bloody then left my vocabulary then, because I realised I was disrespecting the blood of Jesus Christ. I became known as, oh, your language has changed. I was becoming more and more like Christ because of the habits that God was bringing in. Habits of generosity, habits of prayer, habits of kindness. And the last thing here is events and pain. I'm an educator. I'm a coach, do consulting. The fastest way for anyone to consider getting change in their life is managing the pain and the seasons of life that come your way. People can be totally oblivious to their need of God until some crisis comes in or some pain. And I've come to realise, as many in this room, seasons of well-processed pain with the help of God, comfort of Holy Spirit and the community of people around me, I look back now, as can many of you, and go, what a gift that was. That makes me more like Christ. So for some of you today, it's a message of hope for you today that in your pain, God is doing a deep work of character development in your life 
and taking your faith to another level. God loves you and trusts you so much that our pain is not God initiated, but all our pain is God filtered. He knows. And so for some of you today, the message of hope is, I'm going to embrace my pain because I know this too shall pass. Thank you to Bill Hull for the transformation triangle with a few Aussie tweaks along the way. For some of you, you realise that, you know what I need to do? I need to do mission, not on my own. I need to do it in community with other people. Here's a couple of power combos. Some of you know, you know what? I need to read scripture in community with other people. I need to do Holy Spirit. I'm not a spooky on my own, but me and Holy Spirit are going to bring that into community. I need the Holy Spirit to empower my habits. I need the Holy Spirit to give me comfort in times of events and pain. I know this. Events and pain in community is essential. There was a season of my life where I was literally going through a furnace seven times hotter than anything else. And I thank God I was in community then. It was a dark season. It was a really dark season. I was even contemplating matters of life and death. But you know, my community came around me and said, Andrew, we don't understand your pain. But this is what I found. This is how God helped me in a dark place. And something that was going to be quite a tragic course of action, I realised that my pain needs to be processed in community with other people because I know the devil wants to isolate me and he wants to get me out of community and he wants to have a field day with me because he wants to rob and destroy the destiny of my life. So for some of you, that's a word. I'd say this, get in a connect group. Everybody has pain. I do financial counselling with people and I say this, at some stage you're going to blow up an engine, you need to do an overseas wedding real quick, You need to do an emergency. We all have emergency. Crisis is coming for all of us. In this life, you will have trouble, Jesus said. So you all need an emergency fund of at least $5,000. You're going to need it. It's coming. So get in a small group because you're going to need a group of people. You might as well invest now instead of complaining that there's no community when you need it. Is that right I say that? Help me. I'll come back. I'll bring my beautiful wife next time and then she can apologize for all the stuff that I said. All right. This is, this is helpful. For some, you're going, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm, I'll give myself a pass grade on that. God, Holy Spirit speaking to me. Have a look at the next chart that I've got here. here. The idea that as we don't have one-hit zaps of this kind of stuff, that over time the work of God works in our life, that we're getting it today in our head through truth, it's going to hit our heart. It's going to transform our heart. Faith's going to come into our spirit. It's going to come out through our hands and our hugs of healing. And over time, it's going to be, we're going to be known for our habits. Oh, these are the people who walk with God. These are the people who are just like Jesus. Yes. And for some people, they get truth in their head, but it never hits their heart or transforms it. And you never see any evidence of generosity or kindness or serving. Yes. If you're going to be like Jesus, we're going to be real disciples, friends. It's going to, the truth has to go from our head. Nothing worse than a believer who can quote the Bible but is cranky as all heck and nobody wants to spend. Because their habit, everyone knows them. They're just grumpy old people and they're just not a good advertisement. They're not a cookie cutter representative. You can't cut and paste that forward. They're not disciples. Don't just be unkind. Over time, you can transfer this, especially if you're a leader. Do a, a think you're a leader owning a business. These principles work in your business, in your life. Quick four stages there as I move towards a response time. A group of guys did a survey and I really like this and it's a little bit simple but we come to the next one there's four stages of our journey of Christ 
four pictures and I think they might be holding hands. Focus on the word hands today. Yeah. We'll just pull up the next slide, please, team. Next one. We'll go next one. Look at this. It's a bit basic, but it gives you the idea that for some in this room today or anyone online under the sound of my voice right now, you could be at the stage you're exploring Christianity. You could be growing in Christ. You could be close to Christ. And this is the ultimate level of maturity, which is Christ-centered. The first one here is, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about Christ. My faith is not a significant part of my life. So you're on the journey of exploration. And for some of you, you don't go to church often, but if you have a funeral, you'd say, oh, just ring Pastor Bronson and Gabby. They're my man or woman of God. They're my faith reference point. Some of us had said yes to Christ. And we're at this stage where I'm growing and I believe in Jesus and I'm working on what it means to get to know Him. I'm on a journey of becoming like Christ. Level three, close to Christ is I feel really close to Christ and I depend on Him, what? Daily, daily for guidance. So I'm closer to God. I'm working with Him and Holy Spirit to become more like Him. And then we move towards maturity, which is God is all I need in my life. He's enough. Everything I do is a reflection of Christ. The next phase is something I've developed because I help a lot of churches with this. Look at the next table and then we'll, then we'll come back to this slide. Just a bit more detail in here. When you're close to Christ up level three, it says these believers report much higher levels of personal spiritual practices, the habits, than earlier segments. Serving emerges as an important expression of their faith. While their devotion to Christ is growing, they still hold back from full commitment. And the next slide here, which is, I want to inspire you about, for some of you who are achievement orientated, what the target is. These people have fully surrendered their lives to Christ, demonstrated by their dramatically higher levels of spiritual behaviours and attitudes across the board. They seek God's guidance in every area of their life. The way of the wise winds up what the Bible says. If we can go back to the other slide, please. This is what I found, and I've been a, a big fan and a student of spiritual growth because it's the number one thing God asks us to do, become like Him. And when we do that, the world will know of His love and our love for one another. And your desire here at Elevation Melbourne West is to create environments, authentic communities, life-giving communities and flow. This is what people are looking for. You don't have to say something. Their spirit bears witness. This is truth with a capital T. It's more than feeling. Spirit saying, this is what I'm looking for. This is the people of God. What I found is that often people get to stage two. They're growing in faith. There's a phenomena that happens that they never progress to, to number three because something happens in life and that events and pain section and they're not processing with other people a divorce a redundancy a loss of job a sick child a devastation something that's coming to life that you cannot explain you arguing with god and wrestling about and people get stalled they get stuck they trust they love god and if they were to die they were going to go to heaven 
but there's this block. They're not growing. They're stalled. In 1986, there was a great movie that came out when I was a teenager called Top Gun. And uh, Tom Cruise is there. And his mate Goose has an accident and Goose dies. And you know what happens then for about four or five weeks. Maverick doesn't engage in the fight and they're all worried about him. He's got the capacity to be a great fighter. They know he's got there and he said he's lost his edge and he's just passively flying the plane and not engaging, not going through the exercises. And Viper's down there, we've got to get him back up. We've got to get him, send him back up there. Something's got to click. And that's how I believe some believers are. You've had a loss or something's happened and you're just sitting there and you're stalled and you're not reaching your full potential. God's calling you up as, but God needs a moment where you have this epiphany moment and that can happen through prayer this, this morning. I want to pray for some people where you just have a moment and there's this moment where something clicks for Maverick, for Top Gun, for, um, for, for what's his name, Tom Cruise. It says, Sir, Maverick's engaged. He's back in the saddle again. He's back on the horse again. For some of you, God sent me a long way to get you back on the horse again. I'm going to pray. and I'm going to pray for a power encounter, but also a truth encounter. Jesus Christ was there when that crisis or that challenge happened. And God wants you to get you back on His journey of becoming like Him again. Can we stand? I'm going to pray in a moment. So wherever you are, just as we close our eyes, just think about where are you today on the six things of the transformation triangle what's holy spirit saying to you now what's holy spirit saying to you now help us god help us god gotta pray for us all Sorry. Look at this before we go to time of prayer. I love Philippians 2.13. This is, this is such an important verse for me in my walk to become like Jesus. The Passion says this, God will continually revitalise you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. But the Amplified digs really deep. Look at this. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will, desire, and to work. That is strengthening, energising, and creating you the longing and the ability to fulfil your purpose for His good pleasure. This is the active work of Holy Spirit, friends. He's there to give you the desire, but also the power to become like Jesus to be a disciple of Jesus Christ so I think I'm ready to pray now God it's faith in the room now God there's faith so God I pray you'll help us in this noble cause God we want to be like you God we want to position ourselves in your presence God we decide today that we're not going to leave our growing to be like you to chance anymore